0: Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today, my guest is Liz Grayneck, who is the farm her at Happy Hollow Farm, which is nestled among the rolling hills along the Missouri River in Jamestown, Missouri. The primary growing fields border the little Splice Creek bottom and thus benefit from the beautiful silt loam soils that are rich in organic matter. They are a certified organic farm and use a combination of high managed cover crop techniques, crop rotations, compost applications, and hay mulch to produce awesome organic veggies. Welcome to the podcast, Liz.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I think we should get it out of the way that you are Moses 2021 Farmer of the Year, so we have to talk about that as well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. All uh, right. Well, congrats on that, because that is, you know, that's, uh, that's a that's a great award. And there is no one more deserving than you, because, you know, over the years, I've watched you build that from literally nothing to a <laughs> absolute thriving organic farm in a place in the country where so many people said, well, you can't farm organically and make a living out there. Yeah, that that is true. <laughs>
1: I, uh, we definitely in Missouri do not have that many small scale um, vegetable producers in general. Definitely not uh, that many certified organic producers. Um, But, you know, I am outside of a a university town and Uh um, a town that has a really active and and vibrant, thriving farmers market. Uh And, Yeah. You know, just a community of people that support the work that I'm doing on the farm. And so I think that that has obviously um, been been a huge part of why I've been able to succeed. Um, Yeah. 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 uh, Just hard work and and lucky to to find a place in a, a community of people that are really supportive.
0: Mm hmm. Absolutely. So give us a little bit of an overview. And, and you know, a little bit later in the podcast, we'll dive in deeper, but give us like, you know, what, where's your market and uh, like what city are you going to and like what sales channels are you using?
1: Yeah. So I'm outside of Columbia, Missouri, which is smack dab in the middle of the state. It is a relatively small city compared to say Kansas city, St. Louis, uh-huh. Springfield. Uh, but like I said, there's, um, the University of Missouri is there. There's a number of small colleges. Um, it, it's a, it's definitely a, um, a very thriving um, community, and and like I said, a great great farmers market, which I have now been selling at I guess for about nine years, nine seasons. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I started initially just with a CSA, that was eleven years ago. Okay. And. Two years into farming, I, was, I still had the CSA and I was selling at a slightly smaller scale farmer's market. I wanted to make sure that I would be able to handle having enough volume production wise to be able to go to the larger Columbia farmer's market. And so it was the third season that I joined that market. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm now in my 11th year farming full time and um Still, absolutely, still have the CSA. Just it's it's larger, you know, more members. And uh, we, I sell year-round now at the farmers market. There's only uh-huh. two Saturdays a year. That don't go to market. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, also to to a number of local restaurants and um, a locally owned co-op uh, that that has two locations. So I sell pretty pretty regularly, pretty weekly um, to those two co-op grocery store locations.
0: Okay. And then what's your crop mix?
1: It's not as crazy and uh, out there in quantity and volume as it was, let's say four and five years ago. Um, Okay. You know, I've pared it down a fair bit, but it's still pretty big just to try and keep enough diversity for my CSA members. Um, I offer a 32 week long CSA season and I try and approach my weekly boxes from the perspective of what I would want to get in a box uh-huh. and that I don't want to get the same things in, in a box all year long and certainly understanding seasonality of things. Um, but my goal when I pack boxes and thus when I'm putting together my crop plan every year, I want to have something new every week, something that mm. they didn't have last week. So, you know, maybe many of the things are going to be things they had last week, but there's going to be something or multiple things in that box that they didn't have the week before. Um, So I, I, you know, I've, I'm pretty good at making that happen at this point, 11 years in. Uh, So I'm able to take, you know, a pretty wide diversity of stuff to the farmer's market. And, um, and also, you know, I've just, go ahead. What was that?
0: Uh, you do flowers too, right?
1: Yeah, I okay. added flower growing about six years ago and uh am growing more and more every year and getting you know better at doing that. And now have um, a couple of uh one full time and one part time employee that that's pretty much all they do, um, right. is you know focus on the flowers. And uh, in, in the winter, I'm not, I'm not. Right, you know, like up at, you know, urban bud scale as far yeah. as winter flower production. Um, so, you know, Andrea moves into the pack shed some during the winter months. Um, but, you know, we still like we were planting Delphinium this week. And, uh-huh. you know, so she was doing for, you know, in prep for next year. Um, but yeah, lots of flowers, which I love and is, is definitely another definitely another challenge. And it has kept me really engaged, I guess. Um, so I, I really enjoy growing the flowers. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, so definitely a pretty wide range of uh, crop choice crop diversity,
0: I guess. And how many acres of field production are you doing?
1: Do you want me to include the high tunnel space, like total or just outside field production?
0: Yeah, let's just do outside field.
1: Okay, so I opened up a new uh, growing field last fall, which now has brought me up to about 11 acres of outside.
0: Okay, and then in tunnels, how many square feet under tunnels?
1: In tunnels now? Oh, gosh. Um, So in high tunnel square footage, maybe about 60,000 square feet 64 maybe and then i have a lot of caterpillar tunnels and you know i started with um just like a design um of uh, using like a pvc a big Uh uh, 20 foot long hoop um for for the tunnels that was you know pretty much like a two bed system and i'm phasing those out i still have one, two three i don't know maybe four of those up at this point but uh-huh. i started putting up um some farmer's friend caterpillar tunnels uh-huh. last fall and then a couple more this year so i'm phasing out the two-bed tunnels and i'm you know put bringing in these three-bed peak gothic peak roof farmer's Friend uh-huh. t- style tunnels. um my tunnels are all pretty long like i don't have a hundred foot farmer's friend i you know, I've got 200 and 240 foot long farmer's bread tunnels.
0: And how are you doing the end design uh, on that? Are you doing down to the ground with the stake or are you finishing off the ends and doing a, a, a ridge pole?
1: So the end um, right now is just a solid sheet of plastic. And okay. I roll that up and, you know, sort of fix it and have it open totally uh, during the summer months and during Mm -hmm. the winter months it folds down and it's held in place with, you know, 10 sandbags. Um, I'll probably come up with something more permanent um, at some point, but because the end roll plastic, well, the way that I put the plastic on, it's just zip tied, not zip tied, sorry. It's just wiggle wire zip to the end of the tunnel each end. Um, I don't have a rigid Fixed end wall on the tunnels right now, but they're also new, also. Yeah. Um, that I just haven't been able to really address something that's like going to be more permanent. Um, but I like the super easy roll the plastic up, tie it up, get mm-hmm. it out of the way, you know, the yeah. summer so that the whole thing is open.
0: Now, if I remember, so, your your site is relatively protected. So you don't have massive winds, you know, whipping across your front, right. correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, you are absolutely right. And that's an actual it's a huge reason that I am using Caterpillar tunnels. Let me just say that because if I was up on a ridge and, and I've got a bunch of friends that are up on ridges and have just insane wind pressure, there is no way that I would be mm-hmm. trying to use the, you know, the large quantity of cat tunnels that I am using. Cause I think they would be a pain in the butt, you know, okay. ropes tying off the plastic and, and just really like just using a rope system to hold the whole thing together. Um, it wouldn't work if I, I don't think it would work and it would be a real pain um, in a real windy situation. But yeah, my farm is in a valley and um, yeah, you know, we certainly have wind, but nothing like, you know, what many of my friends are dealing with.
0: Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Cool. Let's move a little bit to your background. How did you get into the farming world?
1: I was a CSA member long time ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> In my world of, of uh, being a graduate student and in the, the way that I was um, getting food, and the whole concept of CSA was very new and, and pretty foreign to me, um, definitely not something that I had ever experienced growing up in the Midwest. And I was in grad school, and I really just fell in love with the whole idea and wasn't super enamored with the work that I was doing in grad school and,
2: Mm.
1: and not super looking forward to pursuing an academic career. And I really loved being out on the farm. Um, Uh So yeah, and and randomly, Liz Henderson gave a presentation at uh, my university where I was, and I Uh attended back and that was really my very first sort of introduction into the possibility that farming could be a career for me. Uh-huh. And so I, I just pursued, um, after graduating, I pursued some internships and working on um, a couple of different farms. And before landing the farm where I am, where, where my wife Katie and I are um, living now, I I, I ran a uh, garden center in Columbia for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that actually, that experience was really, I think, super critical and helpful, um, to like helping me learn what it takes to run a business, to manage employees, um, mm-hmm. to do all of the other things that literally don't have anything to do with growing food. Yeah. Um, but are so important for running a business and paying your bills every
0: month. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, A a lot of successful vegetable farmers have come from the nursery background.
1: Oh yeah. I I mean, it probably doesn't matter what it is that you were doing as long as you had some experience with the business side of running a business.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I mean, this is my 11th year of farming and it certainly hasn't been all roses, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> um, so, but I am still here and the farm is still growing. So yeah. So,
0: and, yeah. And are you, are you still using soil blocks?
1: I am Michael. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. All right. I you know, know, you do you. I, I respect I, you so much for that.
1: <laughs> right, you bet. So you know what? I am no longer making my own soil mix. How about mm. that? <laughs> I quit okay. that like many years ago. <laughs> yeah. So who are you um, buying it in? Yeah, oh man, I buy Vermont compost and okay. their Fort B mm-hmm. mix is my favorite. I've tried a number of other mixes mm-hmm. and I just can't. I can't find anything that I like any better than, than feet. I absolutely love it. And we grow beautiful transplants with it. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's break down, you know, obviously in the, the season changes, but like the middle of the summer, what does like a typical week look like?
1: My crew starts at um, six 30 or seven in the middle uh-huh. of the summer in Missouri, it's 95 to hundred degrees. Um, so yeah, we, we start really early and we usually end about two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Mondays are harvest days and then, uh, in the afternoon, um, you know, a brief little some project, something, Mm -hmm. uh, Tuesdays are really big in the morning harvest and then lots of washing packing because our CSA shares get, packed as well as any online orders and restaurant orders all the orders um you know washed packed and in the cooler on tuesday wednesday morning the delivery truck leaves the farm at like seven in the morning um headed into columbia and you know the delivery driver spends all day uh delivering the rest of the crew is on the farm wednesdays wednesday's always a big project day uh, Thursday is also usually a pretty big project day and Fridays are really big harvest wash pack, um, also for CSA shares, but then, um, Saturday farmer's market.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I, I have a crew that that's on the farm on Saturdays, uh, usually watering, moving waters around, um, you know, small, you know, tidy up kind of projects, maybe mm-hmm. washing toads. Um, something that you know stuff to like get us ready for the next week and Sunday is my day of uh, other than having some employees that are just doing kind of like the basic chores Mm -hmm. Sunday is my day with my family Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: um, my day to walk the farm make lists look at stuff real closely Um, so Yeah. yeah that is a that's my week
0: Okay, so then let's talk about Sunday because I love that aspect that you take off Sunday. I mean, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. We happen to also take Sunday off. Um, do you have just one employee that comes on for three or four hours, or do you have a couple employees and they only have two hours, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, it's a couple of employees, um, okay. folks that live on the farm. And, okay, so they live uh, on farm. And, yeah. Yeah, they're, you know, they're watering, they are um, taking care of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, maybe, you know, like a random something, but very little on Sundays.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I think you have absolutely one of the most beautiful farm locations um because you're just so remote there you're just you're back in this little tiny valley and it just kind of like yeah. swallows you up and like there's nothing around other than the farm so yeah i mean that's just and again we at our farm in new york we were you know pretty remote we moved back from the road but you can still see because we had a beautiful upper view and then here where we are in ohio we i'm looking out my window and i can see semis rolling by so <laughs> uh, yeah wow, just a little yeah. bit different um so let's talk about time management because you have a lot going on. You got a couple of different enterprises there. You've got you know a big, relatively larger team. A lot of uh, ground covered. How do you make sure you focus on the most vital priorities each day?
1: Um, I make a lot of lists, mm-hmm. and I, I'm very good. At, and this is, I think, really this is just years of now practice. I'm very good at categorizing to do lists uh-huh. and make sure that the things that are the most important get moved to the top. Um uh-huh. but also, you know, I don't take a step out my front door without my eyes open, paying attention to everything that's around me and noticing things. Uh-huh. You know, I don't walk anywhere. I might be going somewhere to go do something, but I notice that, you know, the valve is broken on this you know header line or and and I I carry a clipboard with me pretty much all the time so that I can write the things down because like I'm not going to remember in five seconds after I've walked past Uh that valve that was broken I am have become and developed a very good ability to really pay attention all the time and Mm. I think that that makes it easier for me to keep on top of incredibly long list of things to do Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yes i mean i do have you know quite a few employees and and this year i will say um you know i've moved to um hiring h2a employees and i have even more h2a uh folks that are coming next year um and i mean you gotta have the staff to do the work um so yeah i mean last year i had uh 12 employees on payroll Uh um this year was it was fewer um but yeah i mean yeah, yeah it takes a lot of people to do the kind of growing that we're doing um and especially the you know having such a diverse mix of crops and diverse you know not just field production but lots of tunnel production and um you know flipping beds all the time and um, trying to stay on top of um, on top of the to-do list. <laughs> yeah,
0: so. yeah. So with your let's talk a little bit of the uh, systems you're on. Um, what's kind of like your bed system setup up? So
1: for I mean you want to talk about tunnels or you want to talk about outside because it's well, very different.
0: Uh, well, let's start with tunnels.
1: I have 34 foot wide tunnels with seven beds in the tunnels. Uh, they are wide beds mostly that I, you know, I'm short, you know that Michael, um, yeah. I can barely, like jump over the bed. Um, um, so at very narrow, you know, one foot wide walking paths, uh, very wide beds and, and seven beds per tunnel. My, one of my very first tunnels is, is, um, still it's 30 foot wide, so it's not a super wide tunnel. Um, and that one just has, has uh, six beds in it. Um, so in the tunnels, I I do not bring any um, equipment in those tunnels other than a BCS at this point. Uh, the beds get broadforked once a year, and usually once a year a pretty um, heavy layer of compost put down, and and then you know depending on I don't know what we're doing. Are we gonna direct seed arugula or are we transplanting? Um, and what was in there previously might depend on. Um, whether or not there's a fertilizer application or, Uh you know, we're going to rotate it Um, I have been thinking about, I I do not have yet, but I've been thinking about, uh, possibly getting one of those compost spreaders that would pull behind my BCS Uh and, um, also have been contemplating a roadie rotary Harrow, but I I don't have either of those things. Um, I mean, my systems work right, right now, um, But, you know, there's always ways to improve and do things better. Um, But I can spread a lot of compost with a wheelbarrow (laughs) pretty quick. (laughs) So, um, and also my tunnels are long. So my 34-foot tunnels are 198 feet long. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's generally what we're doing. And I'm using drip tape pretty exclusively in the tunnels, um, I do have a, a, a setup where I movable uh, that does some overhead irrigation. Like if I was, you know, had a bed of carrots, or you know, like arugula I just mentioned, um, I can move that overhead drip around. Um,
0: yeah. But now, with your tunnels, yeah. are you what? Do you have any crops that you don't put in tunnels?
1: Um. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, no winter squash, no potatoes, no sweet potatoes, uh, no melons. Um, I very rarely put uh, summer or summer squash or zucchini in the tunnel. This year actually was my first year. Uh, we had a pretty late spring. It was really cold for a long time. Uh-huh. And so I had to move some, shuffle some stuff around, and we did have um, my first. Q uh, cucurbit total full cucurbit planting uh, we put in one of the tunnels. But honestly, the only way I was able to do that is because now I have so much more tunnel space.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it allowed me to be able to make that decision um, because three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to make that decision. It, you know, I would have had to have just waited because I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of,
2: you yeah. know,
1: um, but I would say in general, it's the really big space requiring crops that don't go in tunnels. Mm,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so you would sometimes put carrots in tunnels, maybe in like the more the winter time for winter bunches or?
1: So I can't put, um, reliably, I can't grow carrots in the tunnels in the winter because I have a lot of moles, voles, and mice
2: uh, in the okay.
1: tunnels. I mean, yeah. it, it freezes solid I, you know outside and they all move in in the winter mm-hmm. um so I do have a carrot crop in the tunnel right now they're little babies and mm-hmm. they will I'll harvest them early in the spring but they're gotcha. not like full-size that I have to worry about the mold and bowls eating right now um so yeah I'll put in you know one bed maybe you know like one bed Early, early direct seeded February, or or like I did this fall, a really late direct seeded uh, crop of carrots, for example, mm-hmm. uh, really densely seeded um, for like major max production. That I am not cultivating with my G, um, you know, that's like high density planting carrots.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but outside, you know, lots of beds outside, but like those, those I'm cultivating with, you know, it's on a three row and cultivating yeah. with my um basket weeder and
0: yeah gotcha yeah. um all right so let's move to the outdoor production you already mentioned g that you're using okay. that with the basket weeder um mm-hmm. and but you're also doing rototilling uh, chisel plowing compost spreading
1: um not as much compost spreading out in the fields uh i did put down a lot of compost uh five dump truck loads i think actually uh this fall on that new field that i opened up Mm -hmm. last fall um that field we just planted i pretty much just opened it up last year had um some some winter squash and melons up there on the hill that didn't do that great this year Mm, um but cover crops on it and then we put down a ton of compost this fall prior to our winter allium planting which went in up in in that new field this year
2: um
1: so not nearly as much compost spreading out in the fields, but obviously, you know, more cover cropping. Um, and I do, I do have that I just bought last year, actually, um, a field, you know, six-foot wide rototiller. But before having that, I was, yeah, chisel plowing, disking, um, and, and cover, cover cropping and, you know, mowing down a cover crop with like a brush hog. Um, but outside field work was happening mostly with a chisel plow and a disc. Okay. And now I do have this rotor. I am using some, but I, I'm not using it a ton.
0: Um, gotcha. And then what's, what's your setup? Are you five foot centers out in the field?
1: I just got a new tractor, Michael, uh, this spring. And I think my tire spacing is 72 inches.
0: Oh, okay. So you're on center 60. to center. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's yeah, huh? It's seventy two inches center to center. Uh, for my tractor, my new this new tractor that I got.
0: Wow. Okay. Because I yeah. used to be I used to be seventy two, and we we set up this farm. We set it up at at sixty because I was saying I'm getting too old for seventy two. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> well maybe I need to have that same mindset. Cause let me tell you, I do feel like I'm getting old, Michael.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just jumping across those wide of beds. I was like, okay, I can be a little bit narrower would be nice. So, all right. So let's move into a little bit of like the, the mental part of farming, because I mean, you and I both agree that it's not just the growing of the crops. It's the managing of the business. That's the hard part of farming. Um, What would you say is the hardest thing they've ever done as a farmer?
1: The hardest thing as a farmer was trying to manage family health crises in May Mm. um, with a a new, with many new staff members. Mm. And that was this break,
0: Michael. Mm. Yep. So let's break that down a little bit.
1: My most difficult, challenging farming years to date.
0: Wow. So you had a lot of time. You had to be taking care of this family member. Plus you had a lot of new team that weren't trained. So they were just kind of randomly roaming. It felt like, um, okay. And so, all right. So did you have any particular tactics that you use to manage that you just kind of like got through it?
1: Um, you know, luckily I do have a couple of, um, staff, like folks that have worked for me for many years. Mm -hmm. So uh, I leaned on them hard. Mm. (laughs) I will tell you, I leaned on them real hard. Um, Many of the new employees, you know, unfortunately, they didn't last through the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That's one of my, you know, one of the things that was real sad for me for this year. Um, I, you know, I just wasn't around and It was was a hard year for a lot of those new folks. Um, You know, very honest, it was a hard year for them. Um, So, yeah, they're not still with me. Um, I also have tended to hire younger employees um, Hmm. pretty much since I started farming. And mostly that is because they found me and they were really good people. I mean, I have a pretty darn rigorous Uh, employee hiring process. Um, Mm. But I just have generally tended to hire younger employees that um, either had a tiny little bit of a farming experience or literally none, but they, you know, wanted to learn how to farm because maybe they wanted to start their own farms or they just, you know, were interested or whatever. Um, And I, I will tell you that I am moving away from that, uh, model. Mm. Um, I, it's not that I don't want to hire young people that think that they want to farm. Um, but it has become too difficult to run a farm the size that mine is with totally unskilled, um, employees. And so that's why I'm moving. I am totally moving away from that model. So you're Um, moving more towards,
0: more toward the pro employee.
1: Yeah. Pro pro employee that is going to be with me for the next 10 years.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: yep.
1: Um, And I, 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 I hired a couple of guys this fall that started in September. They just left last week and uh, yeah, they're going to be, they're coming back next year. And I've got a couple of more people hired um, that are going to start in April next year And yeah, I mean, these are people that are going to be with me for many, many years. Mm So yeah, that's, that's that's what I need to do.
0: For a farm your size, do you think it is possible to maybe have? Because I think what you're what you're describing there is almost like an intern. Not that you call them an intern, but they've got that. They're very new. They're just looking for that experience. Want to see if they want it if it works for them. Do you think that your size farm, one or two, is reasonable, or do you think you're just at a stage where you're like, we're not an educational farm right now. Our job is just to grow food, and there's other farms out there that are more better geared towards that.
1: I would say that that is my perspective right now right Mm -hmm. now um you know in the next couple of years that that could very easily change but i i need to get through the end of this year moving into next year and just have a really solid no drama Mm
2: -hmm.
1: great employee working season um and and i feel like i need that for for a while um Mm -hmm. And then, and then, yeah, maybe I can go back to, um, offering again. And and I have had like truly a, you know, full time, um, functioning internship program. I have done that uh, for many years. I offered that and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I am not ever going to do that again, but I'm just not ready to do it again right now. Mm Um, Yeah. There are many more farms, even now, 11 years after I started, there are many, many more farms that are literally, their whole mission is nonprofit, teach new young people how to farm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And those farms did not exist to the extent that they exist now. They did not exist 10 and 11 years ago. Um, And that's not my farm, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, but what I would say yeah. to that, and, and again, not to knock those farms because they're doing some great work, but there's a reason they want to work for you because you're a for-profit farm that's feeding people and it's really a real functioning, you know, you've got to meet the payroll every two weeks. So I right. think that's that's right. where the attraction is. And you, um, those farms aren't, uh, again, 2021 Farmer of the Year either.
1: Well, thank you again. Thank you. (laughs) And and I know that, you know, like I do, I know that Michael, I do. Um, But But yeah, and I get it for your family. And yeah. Yeah. For a little while, I just need, um, I need to go through a couple of growing seasons that are, you know, hardcore, simpler, you know, simpler. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I, I I need to like, not, continue to have to try to teach somebody 20 yeah. times had a bunch a bunch of kale, you know? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want somebody one time and I want it to be the same darn size bunch of kale every time. Yeah. Um
0: yeah. So with that, because I think, you know, one of the things you're it's important to you is your family, talk a little bit about that because I think, you know, if we're when we think about our farm, we think about, you know, why we do what we do, a large part of it is because we want to be there with them.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've got an eight-year-old and huh. a two-and-a-half-year-old. She's not eight anymore. Ah! She just turned nine. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So a uh, nine-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old and, uh, and, and my wife, Katie, that works off the farm. Um, so they, you know, they're in school. They're in daycare. Uh, they're not on the farm all the time. And so when they are on the farm, I want to be on the farm with uh-huh. them um, Mm -hmm. because they're not on the farm, you know, during the week, uh, during the normal work week, they're off. And so, yeah, like it is super duper important to me. And I will say like in the first, I mean, gosh, let's be honest, like in the first six, eight, six, eight years of me farming, I didn't spend a lot of time with my family Mm because I was farming all the time, Michael. Um, but I can't do that anymore. I literally I just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, my kids are too important to me and my wife is too important to me. And, um, yeah.
0: Mm. So let's talk about your mentors. Um, who were your mentors along the way and how did they help you become the farmer you are today?
1: Well, I still have lots of mentors. Absolutely.
0: Mm.
1: Um, <laughs> Paul and Sandy Arnold and downstairs, yeah, um, my friend Audrey just got here, <laughs> so I was just talking to her real quick. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul and Sandy Arnold, super great mentors. Chris Blanchard, one of my mm-hmm. besties for many, many years. Um, you know, current farmers that are currently just, like, killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack Hadeen up at Featherstone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, his farm manager, Abby. Um, Steve Tomlinson out east, Um, Uh Kat Becker and Stacey Bosford up in up north, Um, Hans and Katie Bishop in Illinois. I mean, these are like my real go-to, like if I have questions, Uh these are the folks that I ask. Um, Jason Hertz is in uh, Curtis Millsap. They're down in Springfield, Uh not super far from me. Um, Growing very differently than I mean, Jason focuses all on greens, but mm-hmm. he is just a fantastic grower. Yeah. Um yeah, so you mean know, I I have a lot of friends that I rely on to help me for
0: sure. Well, when I have
1: I, a question or a problem or just need somebody to talk to. Um yeah.
0: Yeah and I think so I'm the, super
1: lucky. Let me just say that. I'm super lucky.
0: Yeah, and I think about the mix of those farmers you just mentioned, you've got some very large farms, you've got some uh, smaller farms, you've got some local farms, so you've got a good mix there so that, you know, people that can help you pretty much with, with any question you might have.
1: Yes, that's right. That is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, I'm very lucky.
0: Yeah, if there was a magic reset button as it relates to starting your farm, what systems would you go back and put in place sooner? Play sooner?
1: I would have built a more permanent professional scale pack shed from the very beginning. Um, I didn't do that until six years in and the six and a half, I mean, heck we were into the winter before I moved into my new pack shed. So, you know, literally almost seven years into farming. Um, the, The drastic difference that having a really professional pack shed makes on your efficiency, on the quality of the produce that you're growing. I mean, just like on, on everything, Mm -hmm. um, huge, huge, huge and very valuable improvement and difference. Um, I would have done that from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And okay, I would have borrowed the money to make that happen, Michael.
0: Yes. You're to borrow the money from the USDA. I one and a half (laughs) percent.
1: Um, Exactly. That is exactly right. And that's what I did. You know, I got yeah. an FSA cold storage loan um, for a super low interest rate. Uh, but I would have done that from the very beginning.
0: Now, what are the key aspects of that space that make it so, so important for you?
1: Um, a very large walk-in cooler, <laughs> mm-hmm. not run off of a cool bot. <laughs> okay. Um, concrete floor drains, Super well thought out and efficient workspace, Um, movable bench spaces, uh, a totally separate, uh, cool in the summer and warm in the winter, uh, insulated room. That room is uh, controlled by a cool bot. Uh my flower world is in a different location and has different refrigeration and different coolers and different workspaces, and um, so it's separate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, that's mm-hmm. awesome. All right, with that, we'll take a stop here and take a quick break. In a minute, we'll be back with Liz. Maybe you're a vegetable farmer like Eric and Beth from Evenpole Farm who grows flowers between their vegetables. Maybe you're a backyard gardener or homesteader who wants to learn the benefits of flowers for us and our ecosystem and to discover how flowers can impact our lives and even have a healing effect in our bodies. Or maybe you're looking to scale up your flower operation by standardizing systems and setting up success with Steve and Gretel Adams of Sunny Meadows Flower Farm. No matter where you are in your flower journey, we've got something for you in the Thriving Farmer Flower Summit. Head on over to farmsummits.com and sign up today to be the first to know when it releases. All right. So let's get back here with Liz and talk about Happy Hollow Farm. So you have a team. Let's talk about how that team is set up. Do you have, let's say, like area managers? Do you just all kind of attack the jobs together?
1: Going into this growing season and last year, yes, I did have uh, area managers. Um, I do not anymore. And I don't know what the new sort of structure is going to look like. I know that going into next season, um, I am going to have some new team members. And so probably starting off, it's just going to be sort of me at the helm and then all of us working together as we try to figure out what the new system is going to look like. Um, You know, I grew really fast in a really short amount of time, Michael. Um, And I also think that the trained, experienced area manager employee out there in the world, they are few and far between. Um, You know, there's very, very few of those people. They either have gone on to start their own farms, or they did it on their own for a little bit and realized that maybe they didn't really want to be farming, so they've you know gone on and pursued other careers. Uh-huh. Um, but there are very few experienced looking for permanent position folks out there. Um, yeah. That's yeah. been that has definitely been my experience.
0: Yeah, we're hiring right now for a, well, assistant farm manager, and it's 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 tough. It's really tough to find good people. It's
1: really. tough. Yeah. It's really, really tough. And, you know, I had two area managers last year that were making, you know, 30,000 a year, um, Mm -hmm. plus, you know, benefits and that's a good salary. And it still is really hard, um, to find those folks really, really hard.
0: Yeah. So what's the, let's talk about, you know, the team, like what's your, uh, your enrollment slash interview process look like?
1: I mean, I have an online, uh, em- uh, employee application
2: okay. and,
1: um, I make a phone call. I talk to the folks on the phone. I will contact references. Um, I will have them come out for a working interview and, uh, probably do another in-person interview at that point. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll work together for, you know, four or five hours. And then I will make the decision about yay or nay hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, when you hire H-2A workers, you don't have that. There is no uh, ability to do all of those steps. Um, But I rely on recommendations from other folks that are farming um, and from other farms. Um, Yeah. So that's how I have found uh, the folks that, that I've have currently worked for me and will continue to work for me in the coming years.
0: Yeah. Um, with that, the team um, would you offer? Let's say when you talk about like um, you talk about uh, benefits, what kind of benefit package are you able to offer them?
1: Um, lots of paid. Um, I guess you would consider it paid time off. Okay. Um, salaried, salaried yeah. employment. Um, uh, gas cards, um, phone stipends, clothing stipends. Um, I I don't, I'm not offering health insurance. I mean, I do have workers comp, um, but I'm not health insurance. I'm I'm not like, yeah, to me that is, you know, uh, a farm scale much bigger than, than I'm at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: the, the, those, and obviously, you know, lots of lots of food.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now you do offer some on farm housing because I know, remember, you built that I into do. the top of your barn. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yep. Um, and in the past, that has either been rented space or it was, you know, part of the compensation package for employees. Um, that is one of the things that's tough, and that has, over the years, was a parent that, you know, as an intern who is here for seven months, yes, they absolutely want that on-farm housing. As a full-time year-round employee that's younger, they don't want to live in the country. Mm. You know, they want to live in town and they want to have go out at night life. And um, so, so that on-farm housing ended up not being super great for full-time employees. Um, Hmm. it is as an H2A employer, because that is one of the requirements is you provide housing. And so it's awesome. I have this on-farm housing. It's really nice. It can accommodate a lot of people. And so for that, uh, aspect, you know, it's really great.
0: Yeah. Now for H2A, do they typically have U.S. driver's licenses?
1: Uh, no, actually most of, most of them don't, but once they get here and you can help, um, you can help facilitate that and make that happen. If they have a driver's license that they have from their home country, it mm-hmm. will be a lot easier for them um, to get a driver's license, you know, here in Missouri. For example, yeah,
0: yeah. And then with H two A, what percentage do speak at least broken English so they can understand?
1: Um, so the two guys that I hired this fall, one of the guys had some English, and I have some Spanish, so mm-hmm. we were able to really we. Re- I've learned a lot of Spanish. Let me tell you, in the last three months, um, <laughs> but we were able to, you know, make things work really well. One of the guys really did not have really no English, and um, so he has picked up some English. And I can I cannot tell that he understands c- certain things because they'll get like a little smirk on his face, and I can tell that he understands, you know, something yeah. that I said, maybe Antonio, or um, you could just go right on in. She, I, she's inside. Um, yeah, so, uh, definitely it's very challenging, but I am super committed to making it work and, um, yeah, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so then what's your training process after they get there? I know, I know one of the things you've got is you got a fair amount of like, uh, training resources for them as they get onboarded.
1: Definitely big farm orientation. And that happens over many days. And then I've, I spent a lot of one-on-one time with, with new hires. Um, and pretty much, you know, for numerous times of, of a task, I am right there with them, showing them how to do it, helping them understand what my expectations are and how to do the scale harvest or the radish bunching or the- mm-hmm head lettuce harvest or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, I start to like, let them do certain things on their own and, you know, maybe i am in the pack shed. So I see, see the things that are getting harvested as they come in. And so mm-hmm. then I'm able to kind of like evaluate what's happening when I'm not there. Um, yeah. so then we, you know, should we check back in or maybe I have to go back out and do a like this fall, um, harvesting broccoli is really tricky oh, and yeah. <laughs> it took many times of, um, you know, training and then, and watching how it's growing. And in three days, what's happening and what's that head looking like and going back in three days. And, um, yeah. So next fall, I think, I think my guys will be really good at it, but this year it was, we, we struggled a little bit,
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: but it's, it's hard. It is a hard thing. I mean, all of the things that we're doing, you know, like, we're not just growing broccoli. We're growing 50 other things. And, um, you know, especially with, um, my, my two Hispanic guys, you know, we, I grow a lot of vegetables that they've never even seen Mm, or heard of. Um, so that was interesting and challenging. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. a a lot of very, very personal one-on-one training for sure.
0: Gotcha. Um, and then let's talk about like, um, encouragement. How do you make sure you keep the team motivated?
1: Um, we have morning staff meetings every morning and we talk about the list of things that needs to happen for the day. We talk about bigger picture stuff. Um, I'm pretty open about, uh, you know, the bigger picture of the farm, um, you know, how we did at farmer's market last Saturday, something that uh-huh. did really well, something that didn't do well. And we always do like at that morning meeting, it's always a quick like check-in, um, yeah. you know, what went well yesterday, what didn't go so well, what do we need to do today to make sure that, you know, maybe that thing that didn't go well, what do we need to do to make sure it does go well today? Um, I'm always constantly asking my, my crew for, for their feedback, for their input. Um, yeah. And, you know, in the middle of the summer, we go on float trips together and we drink beer together on Fridays after work. And um, we'll go down to the creek and go swimming at the end of the day. And, um, you know, uh, there's there's a little uh, family owned restaurant that's not super far from the farm. And once in a while on Fridays, I'll take everybody and we'll go and have get get fish on a Friday at the at the. Um, local restaurant. Um, Yeah, just random things. Um, Mm -hmm. But lots of check-ins, lots of check-ins.
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, the marketing side of things. So you have the farmer's market and what percentage of that income do you think that brings in for you?
1: The farmer's market compared to the other
0: revenue streams? Yeah.
1: Farmer's market's probably like 65 to 70% at this point.
0: Yep. So yeah, a lot.
1: It, it and that is very different than it was three years ago, you know uh-huh. very very different um, but again, we have this really awesome now i i mean really market the market has grown drastically in the last uh three to four years mm-hmm. um so so yeah it's it's flipped you know it used to be c f a and now it's definitely not
0: yeah, yeah. Um, now with the, the farmer's market, you, how big of a space do you have? Six booths,
1: six tents, um, wow. three, 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 uh, three tenths long and three tenths deep.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're putting on a, a massive display of product. Um, and that's yeah. obviously a mix of, that's a mix of beautiful vegetables as well as flowers. So that obviously brings people in. Uh-huh. Yep,
1: yep. That is right. That's right. And display
0: is crucial. Yeah. <laughs> crucial. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then with the farmers market, how many team members do you have to have at like a that you have to staff at?
1: Like this upcoming Saturday, there will be three employees plus myself. So there'll be four okay. of us. Yeah. Middle of the summer, there'll probably be five.
0: Yeah. Okay. And you wear orange sweatshirts. Is that the thing?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's, I've always had, I mean, orange is sort of in my color and we we all, I've always had orange t-shirts. Um, but this year I was looking for, you know, outerwear and man, it's hard to find. Um, so I, I found some fleece, you know, they're hunter orange, which is a lot brighter than sort of my orange color, but that was all I could find. Um, so yeah, I just got hunter orange fleece vests and yeah, hooded sweatshirts. But yeah, no, absolutely. We, we wear the same, you know, so that we, as a crew and as a team at the farmers market, we stand out. Um, mm-hmm. So that any any employee, if anybody has a question, they know who to ask.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so you got the market. Now the CSA, it's a 32 week long season. Um, what, mm-hmm. what is, what is the kind of like the premise there is that you do a, like a, what size is the share? I mean, like what's the, the weekly value you're trying to give there?
1: Um, I offer two different sizes. Okay. Uh, uh, one, the large share is, you know, for a family of four that cooks at home four to five nights a week. And then the single share is tailored towards people that are single, that are cooking Mm -hmm. at home maybe three or four nights a week. Um, And it doesn't matter, both of those size shares, you know, my goal is to have um, five to seven different items in the singles and then seven to nine, maybe 10 items uh, in the full shares every week. Mm
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And then that you're, you said one new crop every single week, you have like a a recipe for the rest. I mean, like, um, like you try to put like one allium.
1: Yeah. Usually the recipes that I put in my weekly newsletter correlate and correspond to the one new thing that's this week. So Uh like last week, um, escarole was the sort of new item that the winter CSA members and that all through this fall that, that folks haven't seen yet. And so the, um, I I included a couple of different recipes that highlighted escarole. Um, Now I, I really do work really hard and I've got so many cookbooks, um, but I find recipes that are seasonal based. And so it's not like you're going to have to go to the grocery store and buy the other 10 things Mm -hmm. that you need um, in order to make that one escarole recipe. Right. Um, but I always correlate the recipe with the one new thing this week. Um, and then I've got a whole bank of recipes on, um, this app that's called copy me that. And that's available to my CSA members all the time.
0: Gotcha. And what's the name of the app again? Copy
1: me that it's a recipe collection app that's super easy to work with and, um, is,
0: awesome. it's
1: really easy to, for me to make it available to my CFA members. Awesome.
0: To make well, my
1: that... account that I post to um, available to my CFA members.
0: Uh, that is new for me. I am excited about that. Um, I'm looking at a picture of an orange harvest cart. That's kind of, um, it's very, but, yeah. I think it's, like, it's like a Josh Volk style.
1: Um, you know, I have I don't know. Um, that version of that cart, I got the idea from, Oh, my God. I'm going to blank on their names up in Vermont. I visited their farm. Um, Uh, Taylor's farm. Taylor Mendel. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So she had some carts that were really similar to that. And I just took some pictures and I brought them back. And I have a CSA member that is really uh, super handy. And he wants to do projects Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. uh, like, help me uh on the farm and that he can do in exchange for like a reduced rate Mm -hmm. and so he built me two carts like that I mean he built me these two carts this year we modified them a little bit like to fit the size flats that I use and the size you know the, the things that I'm doing um but yeah the general idea I got from Taylor
0: yeah, yeah. That originally, I think that's a Josh Volk style, um, and uh, okay. there's a ton of there's a ton of variations. I know that's where Taylor got that her version from, but um yeah, we love. We only have oh, one. I yeah, I love it. Ours, and we want to make a couple variations of them too. Like on that same base frame, frame, you could drop a flame leader down if you wanted to. There's so many things you could do. Yep. Um, so many
1: things. I want to. I want to make, and I've already talked to Larry about this. I want to make a um a uh,
0: Row cover (laughs) roller-upper. Oh, have you Uh, seen my version of it? I don't think so. Yeah, I've got a version that we absolutely love. Um, Works really, really well. Yeah, and I can share that with you. Um, I had a local machine shop make a professional version, but the homemade version worked just as well. Awesome. Great. All right, so back to your, your, your marketing there. You also have an online store. Um, does that do well yep. for you? Or is that just, Is that, where do, who, what kind of people order there?
1: So, you know, I started, I've always had a pretty like advanced website, but mm-hmm. last year with COVID, I had never offered online sales before other than like signing up for my CFA, but like to buy head lettuce and kale, I had never offered that. But because of COVID last year, we set that up pretty quickly and it's WooCommerce, you know, off of a WordPress website. And it was huge last year. Obviously now it's gone down some, you know, but my farmer's market sales have gone up a lot. Uh And so I I still have people that are ordering every week, but it's not, you know, $3,000 every week. It's maybe five to $800 a week now.
0: Yeah. Um, And then do they pick up at the farm or they bring it, you bring it to the farmer's market.
1: Um. Farmer's market pickup midweek at a a specific location, drop site pickup. Um, Yeah. Not, not at my farm. I mean, you know, the farm is 45 minutes from uh, sort of the general direction Mm. of where people are coming from. I do have some folks that live out near me and yes, they do come to the farm, but they're my neighbors, Yeah, but that's a really small percentage. So Uh it's mostly a midweek pickup or, you know, we also offer delivery and so folks, if they, you know, they could pay and we'll deliver to their house. Um, And then um, also the farmer's market pickup.
0: And how much do you charge for delivery? Eight bucks. Okay, that's great to know. All right, so marketing, uh, you don't do a ton of like very specific marketing, right?
1: Uh, No, I probably don't. And I probably should do more.
0: Okay, but you keep a pretty active Instagram. Obviously your farmer's market booth is a huge marketing tool for you.
1: Yes. And yeah, I, you know, some Instagram, some Facebook, um, I am, I am applying for, uh, the VAPG grant. And if I get that, there's going to be a massive increase in my marketing. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah. So,
0: so how that goes. So where do you think your customers are? Are they on Instagram or Facebook?
1: Oh, boy. That's kind of a tough question. I don't know, Michael.
0: Well, you got hmm. twenty. 24- you know what? I
1: think that younger customers are on Instagram, and I think the older customers are on Facebook.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. You got. But
1: I, tw- I, Yeah, I mean, I absolutely I see. You know, p- people make comments about posts that I make, and then I'll see them at the farmers market, and they're not always they're not always young. Sometimes they're older. Yeah. Um, well. Y-
0: You've got pretty equal no. split between your Facebook and Instagram, you know, likes or follows, which, I mean, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but that's just kind of interesting to, to kind of see what that, that ends up being mm-hmm. there.
1: I, I also, you know, Michael, I really, that is, and any business person would tell you that this is a downfall for me, but that is a, that whole part of what I do in the business is like the least attention part that yeah. I give yeah. my
0: business. So um, let's talk really, about that for a second. Yeah. Where, is, where is your focus in the business? Cuz obviously there's a whole lot of things you could be doing. Do you do your own QuickBooks mm-hmm. um or does do you have that hired out?
1: I do my own QuickBooks for invoicing. Um but weekly, monthly, you know, bookkeeping, no, I hire that out. Okay. Um payroll I hire out. Um,
2: yeah. what so what you-
1: a, I mean my My main focus is the day-to-day running of the farm. Yeah. And whether that's from afar or that's from me being right there, that is what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. You want to be the actual farmer. You don't want to just be managing a business and then there's a farmer part of the business.
1: Correct. That is exactly right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about new farmers, because at one point you were one. Um, Now you have a lot of experience. What is the biggest mistake that you see beginning farmers making?
1: You know, I I would say, you know, for me, you know, thinking that I could do it all when Uh I first started, but because I had had experience working for and then managing another business, it was very easy for me to move pretty darn quickly my second year into hiring employees and to mm-hmm. being a good employee. Um, yeah. Which then made me very quickly realize like I could get twice as much done with another set of hands that maybe, maybe more than twice as much with yeah. a second set of hands than me really? trying to do about myself. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Cause that's the one um, thing it's such a thing to get. It's such a hard thing to get someone to realize they need help. Um, oh my God. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But like, that was pretty easy for me to make that leap. And so maybe that's one of the things that I think young farmers are, uh, that's one of their downfalls is not realizing that and not making that move. You know, also maybe one of the things that would have made my life easier, probably, um, you know, having debt is not a scary concept for me. Uh, I'm very aware of and willing to take on loans to be able to build a better pack shed, buy a better tractor, um, yeah. improve equipment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, in order to make farming easier, more efficient, better, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I probably reached a point about three years ago, four years ago where my overhead was bigger than the income supporting that overhead. Mm. Um Luckily my wife works off the farm, so I've been able to lean on her. Yeah. Um but that was a, that was a mistake. But I yeah. wasn't focused on the on the on that part. I was focused on the building the farm, getting the crops in the ground, making sure, you know, I was focused on the like day to day of the farming yeah. part and and I still am and so not paying close enough attention to the numbers yeah. side of the farming business.
0: Well, I, I, think,
1: uh, I think, think,
0: yeah, I think sometimes if you are more advanced, you can get really confident in your abilities. And so, yeah, you don't look at the numbers close enough and yeah, stuff can run away from you. Um, because there's so many ways, there's so many crops you can grow. And, And one of the things I've learned in the past couple of years, we do, you know, the online education side of really diving into the numbers is, you know, some crops like winter squash bring in a 20th of what, let's say a good crop of salad mix brings in. And if you just kind of adjust your ratios, that can be very quickly go from very profitable to very less profitable to, you know, making no money at all. Right. Right. That's right. Um, so yeah, they having to go adjust back to, you know, so, okay. So pull back or, you know, less infrastructure building. So you can, you know, make those, those numbers budget. Um, so did you just, yeah. you know, kind of re-gear and re-look at that? Did you bring an outside help to kind of help you work through that or?
1: I, no, I did not bring any outside help. Um, I have been, you know, re-evaluating and mm-hmm. trying to pay closer attention to the yeah. numbers. Um, you know, it's just, It's so hard when you're so wrapped up in the day to day, you know, I've got X number of CSA shares that have to get out and I Mm want to make sure that, you know, I've got nine different things in the box and that they're all, you know, beautiful and, you know, who's going to weed those carrots.
0: Exactly. (laughs) I mean,
1: all the things, all the things. Um, So, this winter is my big winter to really step back out of the Mm day-to-day operation and really focus on the numbers. Um, But infrastructure is expensive. And, you know, I mean, I built my farm from literally like there was nothing on my farm. So, that was a real challenge. And, and I'm not saying like anybody starting a farm, like even if you move on to an existing farm with all kinds of outbuildings and you're, you're still going to have lots of expense retrofitting, yeah. you know, et cetera. Um, but uh, maybe mine was maybe a little more, I don't know. Um, you know, just like not having a building at all and having to build the building, yeah. um, compared to retrofit a current building, um,
0: yeah. But, I, then, I, yeah, but then uh, retrofitting an existing building can be almost just as expensive because it's not purpose
1: expensive.
0: Yeah, it's not purpose-built. That's
1: right. That is exactly right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we had yeah, a barn anyways. on site that we worked with, which is a 30 by 56. And I spent two or three days out there literally with a concrete saw and a sledgehammer cutting in a, 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 a floor drain. Um, floor
1: drain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it's, right. It was a disaster. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah and so, anyways, I, I, you know, really, really focusing on uh, some numbers is my goal this winter. Um, you know, I have gotten the farm to a size that of production um, and employees that you know we have to produce X number of dollars every month. Yeah. And it's bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really getting a good grasp on the numbers is really important.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the mental game for the first couple of seasons. Cause I think, you know, especially in those early days, there's very few employees, the money is slowly dribbling in. Um, how do mm-hmm. you survive? How do you survive that? Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> well, year three, I was like, I don't know if I can make this work year four. Yeah. I don't know if I can make this work. <laughs> um, yeah, those were some tough years. Let me tell you, they were some real tough years. You have to have a mindset of like not giving up, uh-huh. plowing through. I sure hope that you've got a huge support network, you know, uh-huh. for a- any young grower. I hope you have a huge support network. Um, and yeah, and, and a not giving up attitude, I think. Um, it's pretty key. And then on top of that, having some like amazing couple of key employees, Mm -hmm. um, which I have had over the years, really. And, and, you know, none of them have ended up being long-term farmers, but some really, really key employees that helped me get through every year. And, you know, they're still, you know, good friends of mine. They live nearby. Some of them, um, I can, call them, you know, if I'm pulling a sheet of poly on one of my big tunnels, you know, I can call a group of six, seven people and they'll come and help me. Um, Yeah. Just having a huge network of people that are your friends and that are supporting you. And um, that's really important. Uh
0: uh So don't move halfway across the country in the middle of nowhere and start a farm without a support network to go along with it.
1: I think that that is a uh, tough I would not recommend that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Equally I with having not. yeah, equally having super young kids cuz that's super hard too.
1: Super hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because maintaining a healthy relationship and trying to run a business and farm is really hard.
0: Yeah. I mean just even like this morning Simon came in because I've been gone for a couple of days to a conference. And, uh, he came in and wanted to literally just sit on my lap while I was trying to type. And, you know, there's two, there's two things I can do. I can either get frustrated and say, go do something else, or I can just take the five minutes and just sit there with him. Um, yeah, but when you've Stop got, the, tw- typing. Read the yeah, book. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But when you've got 20,000 things going on, you're, it's almost a mental, like your mind's racing because you're like, I need to do this, 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 and this, but what they need at that moment is you just sit there.
1: Yep. That's right. That's yeah. right. And and that's one of the things that having more employees has allowed me to do. Um, and, you know, years ago, I made the decision that I would rather have extra hours of payroll if it mm-hmm. meant that I could have more time um, to be able to give more time to my family. And yeah. so maybe I'm not making as much because I've got a higher payroll. But for right now, that's just the way it has to be. And that's what's the most important.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's really important to realize and be able to call out because you can always look at these other farms and say, well, we only did 27% labor this year and you feel bad, but then you realize they also probably worked 85 hour weeks and you probably worked, you know, not too much less, but you still had more hours with your family.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I was working like that when I first started and I am absolutely not working like that anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's start to wrap this up here. um, And just some fun (laughs) with some fun questions. If you could pick one, what would be your favorite farming tool?
1: My new Kubota 7060 tractor with a front end loader.
0: Okay. 7060. I got to type that one in. And did you get Mm -hmm. forks with it? Oh, yeah. Nice. Any other must have accessories for it?
1: The bucket, uh, dual ports, dual hydraulic ports on the back yeah
0: yeah yeah we only we only got single hydraulics in the back and i'm really regretting that because we have the hydraulic top link we always want that going but we also have a five-way bucket in the front which is a grapple bucket and uh we use that all the time now but because (laughs) i only have one i'm switching to one or the other and so it's a pain in the butt right it's a pain in the butt
1: yeah no dual hydraulics on the back super important
0: Yep. Yeah. um and let's okay so that tractor any like let's say hand tools that you like
1: i'm a pretty big fan of the stirrupo i gotta mm-hmm. say
0: yep okay and do you have a specific width you like on that like the seven or the five or
1: you know it's probably a five inch but
0: i call it the four inch okay um
1: that's the size that i like
0: okay nice
1: it, and- it works really well in between you know a four rows of 12 inch in row spacing lettuce, for example.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Do you believe that now is the best time to start a farm?
1: I think any anytime is a good time to start a farm. If you literally are willing to, if you have some experience, do mm-hmm. not start a farm having no experience. I want you to have like worked on a farm for a few years for mm-hmm. some different people before you start off on your own. And once you do start your farm, I, I sure hope that that experience that you had working on other people's farms was enough uh-huh. to make you realize that you really do want to do this for a living, that you want this to be your career and you're not going to give up when it gets hard because it's going to get hard and it's going to suck and uh-huh. you got to just get through it and, make it happen and find the good in the part that sucks. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have any experience, you're not going to know that, you know?
0: Yeah. So is there a specific size they should start with? I mean, should they start with a certain size and Small. scale up? Small. Small. <laughs> okay.
1: Small and scale up.
0: Yeah. And another thing, should they have a specific amount of savings saved up to start?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you better. <laughs> yeah. You better have enough uh, savings saved up to make one year's worth of payments.
0: Okay. That's really good to know. And when you say payments, mortgage payments, as well as making sure that you're taken care of as well, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. Electric, food, you know, propane, mortgage, car, insurance. Yeah. All the things.
0: Okay. And realize that you will have to have startup expenses too. So it should be a little bit more than just that, I would assume right yeah all right so where can people find out about you and your farm there's a you got a, you got a website you got facebook
1: uh, i've got all those things definitely website um which is happy hollow farm mo for missouri.com and then happy hollow farm on facebook happy hollow farm on instagram um you can call me you can email me
0: yeah, yeah. you're not on tiktok yet
1: no. And I don't know that I'm going to get onto TikTok. Can't say that I am. Nor Twitter. I don't know, yep. Michael. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I, I, so <laughs> I, think, we don't... I
1: think that I will have to have a younger person take over that part of my um, publicity management if that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, well, that's exactly, I was just talking social media at a conference and basically what I told, because the audience was full of 50 to 70 year old farmers. And basically what I said to them was, okay, if you're going to get on TikTok is a billion users now, and it's the stickiest platform, it keeps people on the longest. But I said, you need someone who's under 30 to take that over. I said, I'm not yeah. even going to attempt it. We're going to find someone and they're going to manage it for us just because it's a whole different uh, type of thing. So, right. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Any other questions you wish I'd asked? No, you're
1: a great interviewer, Michael. Oh, that was well, great. Thanks.
0: Okay. Well, again, congrats on your award this year. It's, you know, we've been wanting to have you on since like for the last couple of years and it just never tended to happen. And uh, I think yeah. that was the perfect time to have you on. So I really appreciate being able to make this work. And uh, again, best of luck with um, your, you know, your winter and upcoming season.
1: Great. I thank you very much. And yeah, it was great talking to you.
0: All right. Have a great rest of your day.
1: All right. You too, Michael. Thanks a lot. Have a good holiday.
0: Yes, you too. Hey, Thriving Farmers. Have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I uh, want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about you know some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you.